your host, Alex Garrett. Ladies and gentlemen, you could have been anywhere in the world tonight, but you're here with us in New York City. Are you ready? Welcome inside Adapting with Alex Garrett. Oh, if the shoe fits, wear it. Let's adapt together right now. Well, this country is about to adapt to a new administration, a new presidency. I think the fact that we're into President 46 shows the longevity of this country. And I think the fact that we are at 46 uh, helps preserve this country in in one way or another. You know, some people believe that Trump should have a second term. I say this was the way it was supposed to go. And by Joe Biden is the new president of the United States of America. Someone who was hearing cheering outside his apartment, I guess, and was doing what, you know, heard a lot of stuff around his neighborhood in Queens. And he's uh, New York Truck Stop's own Zach Miller. Firstly, uh, your feel of the day. Doesn't it really feel like a fresh start? Oh, it does. It absolutely does. You know, it's funny, Alex. Uh, so many of my friends and so many people I saw on social media, you know, around um, December 30th, December 31st, they were saying, no, no, no. Uh, January 1st is not New Year's this year. January 20th is going to be New Year's because uh, they, they were very much ready for this new administration to take shape. And I think we really saw a lot of that, again, both on social media today and, and as you alluded to in my neighborhood. I, I did hear a lot of cheering at around uh, 1145 uh, noon today uh, out of my apartment but there's there's work to be done now as biden even alluded to and part of that work does deal with adapting to new transportation secretary I believe that's mayor Buttigieg, and he's got a solid deputy secretary <laughs> who i happen to see you standing next to at a dot what was that a press conference rally i mean tell us about polly trottenberg and, and what she brings to the table now yeah absolutely uh so that was a press conference gosh that that must have been three, four years ago at this point. Um, DOT had some new truck-only signs uh, on the FDR, so, so that press conference was about that. And, uh, you know, I was representing the uh, Trucking Association at that press conference. And, and, and yeah, you know, I personally met uh, Commissioner Trottenberg four or five times. Um, she was always very uh, gracious with me. She, I don't believe she ever knew my name, but she recognized me as, as you know, quote unquote, that truck guy, which honestly, a lot of people in, in city government, that's kind of how I'm known. And, and I love that. Um, I, there was another press conference we were at together. I don't have a picture of it, but it was a freezing cold day out in Brooklyn. It was about um, the BQE. And the makeup of that press conference was there were a lot of local advocates there, a lot of local elected officials who particularly are a little bit more anti-truck on the, you know, anti-truck side. And the, the commissioner, you know, made sure to thank me um, for being at that press conference. She, she was the only when, when I was announced as a speaker, she was the only person who, who clapped and cheered for me. And I, I, I always remember that. And I always appreciated that, uh, her support. So, and, and you know, as, as you and I are going to talk, there are definitely things that, that we disagreed on, but her professionalism and her respect is something that I always admired. And it's something that I think all Americans, whether they agree with some of her policies or not, uh, should be comforted in knowing that, that she really does have a uh, she treats people with, with with respect and dignity and professionalism, and um, and, and that's something to always be uh, 
it's something to admire about do, her. Do you think the Biden administration knew for the transportation they had to pick someone from New York? I feel like that was part of this choosing, was it not? I think that's a great point. I, especially because, as you alluded to with, with Mayor Pete, who, you know, who is a very interesting guy, uh, a very smart, capable guy, but not somebody who, you know, you know, South Bend, Indiana has, what, 100,000 people. I think, you know, Polly Tromberg had about a quarter of that just on staff, you know. So, yeah, I think I, I think the, having a New Yorker, uh, somebody who knows transportation issues on all different levels, the way that she does was really important for this administration. And certainly, you know, they didn't know when uh, Mayor Pete was nominated, they didn't know at the time that uh, Senator Schumer would be the um, Senate majority leader, but he is now. And he and Commissioner Trottenberg go way back. Uh, she used to work for him uh, as an aide. Uh, so, so yeah, I think this this does line up very well for for New York and sort of a, a New York type of agenda being presented forward. Do you think he had others in mind to, to have this role? Do you know much about the selection process for the deputy that, secretary? That, that's such a great question. I don't. I know that she was tapped very early on to be part of this transition. And I do know that she led meetings, uh, transition meetings with uh, people in the trucking industry, you know, as well as uh, train and, and uh, public transportation agencies. So I know she was very intimately involved in the transition. Uh, she really was running point on transportation issues for the transition. So I think, I mean, my guess would be they keyed in on her for this role pretty early on in the process. Well, you know, everybody was kind of questioning why Elaine Chow was the transportation secretary. I mean, <laughs> did you see any improvements under the Trump administration, serious improvements that maybe didn't get highlighted for New York? I did. I did. And I'll tell you, um, Elaine Chow was a very interesting character. She was such a smart, uh, competent administrator at DOT. However, I will say Personally, it never passed the smell test that she was married to McConnell. Um, again, that, 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 that's legal. That's not a conflict. It's just a, a Zach Miller uh, type of issue. I, I kind of I'm, I'm stricter uh, than the actual rules are. However, to, to your point, yeah, she did some really good things. Uh, she streamlined a lot of antiquated regulations on the trucking industry. She, she gave drivers a lot more flexibility uh, without compromising safety, which, which, which was huge. And, and she gave drivers, the actual truck drivers, uh, a larger seat at the table than they had, uh, you know, in, in previous administrations. So, so certainly from that perspective, I, I, th I think Secretary Chow did some really good work at DOT. Well, you know, what I'm thinking is, as you're talking about this, is seat at the table and whatnot. Now you've got another administration dealing with the COVID crisis and truckers, you know, do have those late night shifts still. They're still going out there. So what COVID protocols would you like to see this administration continue from last or change from last? Uh, certainly. I mean, they have to just redo this vaccine rollout for, from the ground up. I mean, the, the rollout has been a disaster. Uh, we, we are losing ground every day in this fight. And, and really, I think anything that could be done to ramp up a uh, vaccine rollout 
would be great. I, I, to, to that end, I really do think uh, truck drivers should be treated as the essential workers that they really are and, and sort of be prioritized in some of these um, vaccinations that, that we're seeing across the country. Um, in some places, they, they are more in front of the line. In other states, they're really not. And I would like a sort of federal, um, maybe not mandate, but, but sort of a federal um, announcement that, listen, truck drivers are essential. They're essential to the economy. They're, they're essential to fighting COVID. And we got to make sure these people are getting the vaccines sooner rather than later. Well, have they have do you know if they're also trucking the vaccines? I know we saw them flying them, but are they trucking them across the country as well? Yeah, they are. They are. Um, typically, they'll fly. They'll, they'll be flown into major distribution hubs um, at, you know, some of these major airports and then trucked to um to either warehouses, and this is another issue that there have been vaccines kind of sitting in warehouses because of uh, poor communication, and then sort of then retrucked to uh, hospitals and clinics and and some of these larger uh, distribution sites. I mean, vaccination sites. Well, that's good insight because you know I think people just got the impression, oh, they're flying this thing all over the place. How are they? You know, <laughs> and that's how that's how I was perceiving it. Anyway. Um, we talked about trucking like way early on in the crisis. Have you seen any improvement though from when we first talked about this to now? Um, not not exactly. I, I wouldn't say things have gotten worse, but but I don't know that that we're seeing the improvements that we need. It, it's also interesting because as the um, the economy started to open back up, you know, a couple of months into the pandemic, we started seeing a little bit more traffic. Um, and that sort of delayed some of the, the essential truck trips. And also, you know, here in New York City, as you well know, we're seeing so much um, curbside space uh, sort of repurposed for outdoor dining, for outdoor storefronts. I know New York City has this uh, outdoor culture program that, that's going to start in the spring. So, you know, from just a spatial standpoint, uh, trucks are having less space to maneuver, despite the fact that still so many Americans are, are working from home. I am so glad um, you mentioned this because, yeah, yeah. let's say, New Yorker Polly Trottenberg decides, you know, I want to take a look at the bike lanes that de Blasio has installed. Could she repeal any of those? It sounds crazy, but I feel like they could be doing something if they wanted to. You know, I, I think... To, to that point, it's not even so much can they repeal them. I, I, I think it's more could we have a more unified goal? Because the way this has happened in this city, I mean, and, and you know, bike lanes are, they, they predated her, but it's something she's very passionate about. They certainly increased dramatically uh, under her administration. It's, it's something she, she really cares about. But I, and I'm sure she'll be the first person to tell you uh, it was not done well, uh, just between where they were placed, sort of backlash against them from, from certain communities. I, I think even, you know, people who really do love bike lanes will say they didn't put enough in. You have other people who say they put too many in. You have other people. No, who did they put too many in? I don't know. I, I don't remember writing no, about no, that no. or not. But. No, no, no. But but believe me, you'll. You'll come across some interesting characters at community board hearings. I'll tell you that much. 
And um, I think one of on, on her portfolio now with the Fed is sort of better guidelines for how you put in bike lanes, what they should, where they should go, where they shouldn't, what they should do, how much, how much space are you taking away and what are you taking away from? Are you taking away parking space? Are you taking away curbside access? Um, or are you not really taking away any space? Maybe you're taking away just a little bit of a travel lane and, and that's it. So those are sort of the big picture issues that would help. Um, I think also right now, indoor dining like should be reopened because we could get rid of those street, uh, you know, oh my gosh. street side you're pretty, you're, uh, you're outdoor so dining. You're on that. I mean, I, I, and this is, again, this is not something that could really come from the federal government, but it would be nice if, if, you know, President Biden would say, yeah, and, you know, we really should open stuff up under proper COVID guidelines, of course. It can't just be a free-for-all, but, you know, yeah, let's sort of, let's sort of push stuff open again. You know, I had a, there was a picture making its way uh, on social media, you know, with, with Bernie Sanders sitting there at the inauguration, you know, with his coat and, and mittens and whatnot. And, you know, people had fun with that. And, and I actually, you know, I took the picture and I made a comment. It's like, oh, he's, he's just waiting for his meal outside New York City. Oh, no. He, you know, because uh. there's no indoor dining. It's like, let, let's, let, let's open stuff up reasonably and properly and, and sort of put more people back to work, um, um, get things going in a better direction here. Well, look, I, I, I don't know how many people know this, but Cuomo is already threatening Biden. I, this story oh is God. insane. For those who don't know, <laughs> apparently we're promised $15 billion. I thought there was going to be two, but apparently it's 15 And uh, we need that shot in the arm, as I've said time and time again. But if Biden doesn't come through, Cuomo, who I really believe, Zach, wants the presidential seal on his darn uh platform every time he speaks now will sue his own president you know his own party's president what is this it's just it's just Cuomo being Cuomo um putting something out there that's as I would say bold as it is ridiculous that like he would actually threaten to sue this incoming Biden administration over a New York state bailout you know as, as as if Biden doesn't have enough on his plate Right now, you know, he, he needs Cuomo running around threatening him. It, it's, it's like, you know, and, and it, but on the other hand, you see something like this and you're like, well, yeah, no wonder uh, Cuomo wasn't part of the uh, cabinet. You know what? That a, too. They what, probably what saw that in him. He is. Yeah, exactly. By the way, he thought it was such a heroic move to stay in the state capitol. I'm like, you know what? I don't think if they care if you were in Niagara Falls today. OK, I don't know where they what you thought it was going to be good saying <laughs> that for. It's it's just everything's about Cuomo, always, always, and it's like it's it's like you know Biden today he spoke about unity and and wanting to bring people together and and you know that's usually that's been his mo most of his most of his career um, and you know and then obviously all the challenges that he faces now and then and then you know he's he's literally not even sworn in yet and you have Cuomo demanding 15 billion dollars or he's going to sue the federal government cuz remember that's Schumer promised great. 2 billion already so that that's yeah. that's where I'm looking at right now and and look New York is going to get some New York's going to get a lot of money here but but at the same time New York has to look inward 
and, and, and make some changes to the way they do business. You know, it's not it, the, COVID accelerated a lot of problems that the state was going to have regardless due to poor planning and management. No, no doubt about it. Now, I want to get away from Cuomo and politics. I want to talk about you personally, <laughs> because I think when we all were here in 2017, we were like, uh, I think we can survive these four years, but let's just make it. Are you surprised we actually basically got through the Trump presidency? Are you kind of surprised by that? That's such a fantastic question. It sort of, I had such low expectations for what it would be, and it turned out to be even worse than my expectations. Now, as, as you and, and, you know, people who listen to, to my show, who listen to me on your show, know I'm, I'm more pessimistic by nature than you are. But, uh, yeah, I did not have a whole lot of uh, rosy expectations. And, and my gosh, the last four years were rough. But, you know, am I surprised we survived it? No, I mean, this is a very resilient country. This is a very tough country. You know, this is a country that has been through some horrific things and, and came together. This is a country that has accomplished some amazing things. Um, so, so, no, I mean, I, I always will bet American, uh, you know, when push comes to shove, but that, that doesn't mean uh, it's always an easy or enjoyable ride. That's for sure. No, it, it's not. And I was thinking, do you want to bet American and buy American? Let's add that in there, too. <laughs> I, I, I will buy American um, every opportunity I get. That is, that's for sure. Because you know me. You know I'm a big um, manufacturing supply yeah. chain nerd. You know I want. Well, you got to be in that much. industry because, remember, exactly. trucks, trucks get the supply chain going, do they not? Exactly, 100%. And, you know, I want I want us to make as much here as possible, and I want it to be moved all across the country to the extent that that's possible. So, and by yeah, the way, I'm I was a at, big fan. I, I'm, I blanked on it before, but I, I remember it now. In addition, when we last talked, we actually saw the supply chain really weakened the last time we had talked about this. Has that improved at all? Yes, that definitely has improved. Um, we're really not seeing shortages uh to the extent that we did early on now there have been some uh shipping issues particularly with usps and you know between the holiday season coinciding with the beginning of the vaccine distribution um shippers were kind of pushed to the limit but you know other than the vaccine there were plenty of supplies available. It was just, you know, how long does it take to get them uh, into people's hands? And I think that's probably going to be tight uh, until, you know, we're at the vaccine level we need to be and until some of these USPS problems are fixed with, um, you know, you figure the incoming uh, postmaster general will, will have a lot of work to do, but, but it, it should be able to get itself sorted out. Uh, Reconstructing some of those post boxes might be a good idea first. Um, no, that's the place to start. <laughs> I've got a question for you, though. You know, I did see over the years, and I would always send you this link. Hey, did you see the? And I, for those who know, I used to be very Trump all the time. Like that was my thing. And then 
three and a half years into it during the COVID, I said, this is not working. Anyway, the times I were in favor of Trump, and I'd see the truckers support him. I, I wasn't surprised. I was very interested to see how they lined the White House to support him. Did that surprise you at all, though, Zach, over the years? No, no, not at all. Uh, first of all, you know, the, the industry does lean more conservative slash libertarian. Um, so certainly that uh, sort of base is in uh, Trump's wheelhouse. I think a lot of people really did resonate with when he spoke towards some of the more, you know, economic uh, issues. Um, and, you know, there is another aspect of this, which is a lot of truckers, particularly the over-the-road truckers, do listen to talk radio frequently. And we know uh, talk radio loves Trump. So, so it really all made sense there. So, no, I, I wasn't surprised um, by that. And, and I thought it was really nice that, you know, he would invite so many truckers to the White House. Absolutely. That, he got it. Yeah, that, exactly. That he tried to get uh, their perspective on things when making policy. It, it, it was that was always uh, refreshing to see from him. All right, bro, you want to talk about adapting and, and the adaptability of this? Because I do believe we always have to adapt to transportation. I still think an adaptation would be nice to remove the one to five shutdown. That would be nice <laughs> once in a while, you know, pretty soon. But that doesn't look like it's going anywhere for the moment. But what adapted adaptations can even the city make to correlate with the administration? Like this is a two way partnership now. So what can we do as a city better to work with Washington? Yeah, that's that's such a great question. I think the big thing that Bob Polly's going to push for and also New York electeds are going to push for is, uh, you know, MTA funds. Uh, certainly, we know how important uh, public transportation is to this city. Uh, we also know how poorly managed the MTA has been. So I think between funding uh, on the one hand, and then hopefully more uh, streamlined management. I, th I think better leadership. Uh, we, we could have a stronger transit agency, w which should help. It, it is interesting, though, because there is so much unknown in the post-COVID world. You know, for example, so much of the MTA design is getting people into and around Manhattan. And it's just hard to say that that Manhattan-centric business model is going to be the New York City model moving forward. In fact, frankly, I would bet against it. I think we the, the action, and yes, you, you and I are Queens boys, but I think the action that we've seen in the outer boroughs these past 10 months is not going to go away once uh, COVID subsides. So I think that's something that really both, you know, uh, Trottenberg and Mayor Pete and the New York City congressional delegation should, should keep in mind as they move forward with some of this uh, mass transit policy. Obviously, in terms of trucking, uh, again, to that end, we've seen such a boom in e-commerce, which shifts the way deliveries happen. You know, it used to be pre-COVID with large e-commerce, we saw about 60% uh, 
of freight went to commercial zones and, and you know commercial enterprise, and about 40% was delivered to residential. COVID hit, and that was completely flipped. I mean, we were seeing as high as 80% of deliveries going to the home. Now, again, once the pandemic subsides, we're not going to see 80% of freight moving to households, but it's going to be a significant number. And that completely changes, you know, truck routes, truck parking, uh, residential parking, even even the way streets are designed, because typically, you know, your residential streets are pretty narrow and they should be because, well, you're not sticking a truck in there. Well, now you might need to stick a truck in there. So what happens with that? Well, Um, look at this. And as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about the flipped over bus that we just saw in the Bronx. I mean, that that's a that's scary for a trucker to see, is it not? Oh, absolutely. You know, anytime you see a really bad crash, um, particularly when it it was because of driver error, uh, you have to take stock in that and you have to sort of, you know, for a driver evaluate your practices and and from a company standpoint evaluate your safety and training because you know sure that that particular event was uh was a bus driver but it could easily have been a tractor trailer you know you know you talk about the adapting to the streets and all that i i I gotta know if you were in that position uh in the transportation department federally but you had a very local mindset now you got to focus on it nationally how does one take that local on the streets of New York and say, well, how do I focus to a street in Texas or something like that? Like, how does that, how do you do that switch? So that's such a great question. And there are two ways to do it, right? There's the good way and the bad way. And let me just start with the bad way, because one of the, one of my few concerns with, uh, with Commissioner Tromberg is she is really, really close with some of these, as my dad likes to call them, quote, unquote, transit advocates um, who really push a lot of these street redesigns on a national level. It might, to a, to a New Yorker who's not in on this, it might think like, oh, this, this bike lane is so very New York centric, but these groups push the same sort of plan across the country. And um, so certainly there's information and data there that 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 Tron Bird could easily grab. The problem is, and as you so well put it, it you know from a sort of design you know theoretical standpoint that might work, but in terms of what that community in Texas actually needs, what the residents there need, what the businesses need, might be very different, you know, in the real world. So my advice to her would be to go there to, to, to get a read of the businesses, of the residents, of what, what the community wants and don't want. And that doesn't mean that just because they don't want something you can't do. You know, if you really think it's for the best, that's part of the job of, of being in government, of being a leader, is making tough choices like that. But you have to get their point of view. You can't just look at some, some study, some research project, and think that'll be acceptable. And, you know, to her credit, she's always been good at engaging every stakeholder for a project. She, she 
always valued that. She always kept her word on that, and she was so much better than her uh, predecessors at City DOT at that. So, so, you know, to anybody who's listening around the country who might be nervous about some of those things, I can tell you from experience, she she always engages in stakeholders. So we won't see bike lanes on Lombard Street, the most uh, crookedest street in the world, right? We're not. Gonna... <laughs> you know what? Maybe it's some sort of like um, Olympic event. I know. I know. You know, the Olympics are going to be in L.A. Not. I wouldn't even try that hill, and you know, I rollerblade everywhere. <laughs> maybe they. Maybe we could have that one. That one event. Maybe that one fundraiser type of thing. But no, that 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 would be for a braver man than I. And as I said, I wouldn't try that either. And I roll blade everywhere. I just wouldn't. Well, and you're the expert. If you wouldn't do it, then I think uh, probably nobody would. Zach, I highlighted this because, as we see, the president is the president, but he has all these people around him. And I think a big gift for from Trump was that we knew he had people around him because they always resigned or they quit or he got fired. <laughs> he fired him. But no. People around this, these presidents are important, and I think finally people are trying to figure out who's around Biden now. Am I right? Like, and if, Trump, I, I, and if it wasn't for right Trump, that wouldn't happen. I think, I think you're very much right on both accounts. Um, they, they are very important. They, they've always served uh, an important purpose. That's, that's kind of what the show The West Wing was about. But, yeah, I think, I think Trump did take that to a different level. And I think people are starting to see that with Biden, especially because, you know, look, at the end of the day, Biden is 78 years old. He He's not going to announce it until after the midterms, but it's very unlikely he's going to run for a second term. Um, you know, I think he even mentioned himself as a transitional uh, candidate. And I think that he is going it's funny, you know, because Trump was the businessman. But I think uh, Biden is really going to lead as a CEO. You know, he's going to be the guy to make the final decision. But the uh, the deputies, I think, are going to be empowered to do a lot of the day to day work, which, to your point, means who those deputies are becomes even more important. And, uh, yeah, you know, as, as we were talking about offline a little bit, as, as we mentioned, you know, uh, Trottenberg's a pretty good deputy to have. Uh, for a transportation agency. Well, I think I'm going to leave it. I have so many questions, but we can get to them on another time because we haven't even gotten to the whole, uh, the 47 unoccupied assembly seats. I want to have you on for another podcast about that because that matters too, who we put up in Albany, and I want to get you on for another thing. But I'll leave it on that note that uh, she's a great choice, and we will see what happens, Zach, and thanks for joining me to talk about this today. Oh, my gosh, absolutely, anytime. And uh, I'm Alex Garrett. As you know, we're always adapting. Stay with us. That was perfect, man. I loved it. So I'm going to send you a link. I'm going to actually tag Polly. I think she might get a kick out of it. If she